This is the podcast of Redemption Bible Church, where applicational preaching is a distinctive of our church. For more information, log on to redemptionfw.org. Thanks for listening. You may turn to your Bibles in Romans 12. Romans 12. And we are starting in verse 1, going all the way through to 8. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually, members one of another. Having gifts that differ um, according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy, with cheerfulness. The word of the Lord. Good morning, church. How are you? Good. Great. Good week? (laughs) Is he going to keep doing this? What's he doing up there? That's just weird. Uh, I think it's important to know what you are getting into before you get into it. Um, Safe place for me? I sometimes get caught in clickbait, Uh, I'll be honest with you. So, uh, like, for example, this story up here, the one in the bottom corner, the the, plane in the jungle, I would probably totally click on that and uh, not know exactly what I'm getting into before I get into it. Because those are never like, oh, here's the story, and here are the cool pictures of the plane they found in the jungle. It's always like this long, drawn-out, descriptive over multiple pages, you know. Eduardo Valdez was walking in the forest one day. Click. And the forest was filled with all kinds of green hues and colorful animals. Click, you know, on and on and on and on. Every time you click, of course, more ads, and I just get caught up in that. And well, it's good to know what you're getting into long before you get into it. So let's talk a little bit about church. We are in a series called We Are the Church. And Adam did an awesome job last week of going through the Word of God and asking the question, how does God teach about the church? What does God teach the church to be? And uh, we talked about it being a flock. We talked about it being a body. We talked about it being a family. And uh, this is just not something that you come float into and float out of again. This is something that you take seriously. And so then uh, what does it mean then? We're challenging you to, hey, let's take this membership thing seriously. We believe that God has called the church people to be members of a church body. 
And so this week, what I wanna do is answer the question, well, what does the Bible ask church members to do? What are we to do as actual church members? And so what I wanna do is look at several passages of scripture as we answer that question and really show you three key behaviors of church members, three key behaviors that we see in church members. So here's the first one, you can write it down. What do church members do? Well, first of all, they carry out the mission of the church. Church members are to carry out the mission of the church, which, of course, brings a very logical next question. Well, what is the mission of the church? Well, we're gonna spend, at the end of this series, we're gonna spend a whole sermon talking about our mission. And we're gonna dive into it deeply. Now, we wanted to do that at the end because we wanna say there's all these things about the church and then the exclamation point at the end being, now this is why, this is what we're about, this is what we wanna accomplish. But I think as I call you to membership and say, hey, take this membership thing seriously, it's important to answer the question, what is the church, uh, what is church membership? So let's do this, or what is the mission? So I wanna do this by actually turning over, we're gonna get to 1 Corinthians 12 in a little bit, but I wanna go over to Matthew 28. Matthew 28, and by way of reminder, Matthew 28 is Jesus and this is right before he ascends into heaven. So he has died on the cross, he was buried. Three days later, he rose. There we go, all right, cool, all right. Uh, and uh, then he uh, ministered to many people, and at the end of all of that, he ascends into heaven. So this is truly now the human form of Jesus departing and going up into heaven, and he, this is what we read. This is verse number 16, so Matthew 28, verse number 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Can you imagine? after seeing the Lord crucified, after seeing him rise again, after seeing him walk, they still had doubts. But Jesus said this in verse number 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now you'll read several accounts in different gospels and another one in Acts 1. All of these kind of synchronized together. And I love Matthew's version, which is very succinct. And Jesus starts out, by saying, I have all authority on earth and in heaven. All authority is mine. And that's important because who's telling us to do this? God himself is. Jesus is with all the authority of heaven and earth. So then what is he telling us to do? Well, look back at your text again. Verse number 19 says it clearly, go and make disciples. Now, I've said in the past, it's very true, the English is a little misleading because in the English, that word go is a verb. In the Greek, it's not a verb. In the Greek, it's really an adverbial participle, which really is as you are going, as you are going. And I love that, because the idea then is as you live your life, as you walk about, what are you to be doing? And then we get to the command. We get to the verb. And that verb is as you are going, what would it be, church? It would be make disciples. Everyone say it, make disciples. So what should the church be about? making disciples, that's what we should be doing. That is the mission that we have been called to, to make disciples. 
So this is our mission statement. Now, when we unpack it together in several weeks, I'll talk a lot about why the glory of God is the first part of our mission. I'll talk about why the power of the gospel is the latter part of our mission. Those are the bookends to the command, make disciples. So let's just read this together. The mission of Redemption Bible Church is to glorify God by making disciples through the power of the gospel. So listen, this is what we're calling you to commit to. This is the mission of the church. This is Jesus, our commander, our God, our savior. And he's saying, this is what I want you to be about, making disciples. You with me on that? If you are with me on that, just say amen. Amen. So I always ask this question after I do that, and who is your disciple? Who are you discipling? And, And I hope you have some people there, but what I'm asking you to do is to join in with all of us together, bringing our talents, our abilities, our passions together for this one grand purpose. And that is to see people come to know Jesus Christ as their savior, and then to grow up into him who was the head, into Christ Jesus. In fact, that terminology I'm using is actually a biblical terminology, so I want you to see another passage. Can you do that? Can you now turn also over to Ephesians chapter four as we answer an important question? So uh, job descriptions are important, and uh, so I believe this is probably when you began your work, you got a job description that told you exactly what you should be doing. What I love about Ephesians four is it gives us as a church a job description. It gives me as a pastor a job description. So I want you to see God's job description for what I do and really what we do together. Ephesians chapter four, and now look at verse number 11, Ephesians 4, 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, so the uh, uh, shepherds, Adam talked a lot last week about how uh, elders are shepherds and we're given a flock. We gotta know who's a part of that flock, but we have shepherds and teachers, this is pastors. So why do, why am I here? What's my job? Well, the text tells me that very, very clearly in verse number 12. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. So what's my job, church? Look at it carefully, what's my job? To equip the saints. So I'm called to be a football coach. <laughs> oh, that's just great, that's just great. That's uh, my dad joke. The saints, New Orleans saints, or football, forget about it. That did not go well. That's not gonna happen in the second service. That joke will be cut right now. Not going forward, just letting you know. This is editing on the fly. Um, to equip the saints, who are the saints? Anyone who's been set apart through the power of the gospel is a saint. So you're a saint. The person sitting next to you, if they know Jesus, they're a saint. And my job is to equip really the church for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I love this. So my job is to equip you to help each other grow to be more like Jesus, do you see? So who is the mission for? What is the mission to make disciples? Who is that for? It's for everybody. It's for you, it's for me. Just say it with me, say it's for me. Tell your neighbor, it's for you. It's important that we understand this. This is what uh, the mission that we're called to. 
And just look at the intensity of this. Until we all attain, verse number 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. It means you gotta be paying attention to your neighbor. It's gotta be, you gotta be involved in their life. This is so much, listen now, this is so much more than just coming and sitting and going again. It's so much more than just church attendance. This is participation in discipleship. This is commitment to one another. This is intense, and look how it continues on. So that we may be no longer children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine. I mean, we're to help secure each other in the doctrines of the faith. This is huge, this is a big deal, and this is our job description as a church. So this is the mission, man. We're here to make disciples. Are you about that? I want you to be passionately about that. Because if you want to be a part of something, you have to be passionate about the mission. This is probably why I will never join PETA. All right, forgive me for that. Listen, I know, I get it. Am I for the ethical treatment of animals? Yes, but I also want to eat them. Can I get a witness? Um, so a little bit of both. It was really revealed to me how much I don't belong there one day when I had a, I had a Bible, this was before the fire, I had this uh, beautiful, um, rare New King James wide margin Bible. I sought for it, finally, they don't make a lot of them, but I found one and I wore the cover out. It was a bad cover anyway, and I was gonna get it recovered. So I went to this you know, bookstore where they did this sort of thing and I brought my Bible in and I said, hey, would you mind you know, rebinding my Bible? And I love it to be done on leather. And the guy on the other counter, he said, well, if I can really encourage you not to use leather, we have other options. And I'm standing there in a leather coat with leather gloves. I'm okay with it being bound in leather. Let's just, yeah, go ahead and do that. And he did, and so and the point though is that I, I, I'm not a part of that, I'm not passionate about their mission. I'm not passionate about what they want to accomplish. So I, I will never be a part of that, but I wanna be a part of something that I am passionate about. And, and, and what I want you to join with me is to see this is what God wants us to do, is to be absolutely passionate about making disciples, about helping each other get grounded in the faith until we all become like Jesus. So uh, what do members do? Members carry out the mission of the church, and I wanna call you to carry out the mission of the church. Also this, number two, what do members do? Well, they contribute to the body. They not only carry out the mission, they also contribute to the body. A church member contributes to the body. And for this now, I know we're doing some Bible turning today, we're really doing kind of like a uh, theology of membership. And it means we gotta look at several passages to really get that robust theology. So I want you to go to uh, Hebrews chapter 10, if you would, next. Hebrews chapter 10. And here's a passage where you're probably familiar with, and but I wanna unpack it again today and look at this together. Hebrews chapter 10. Now there's a lot of ways of unpacking, okay, what? how do we contribute to the body? We're gonna use three W's to do this. Worship, walk, and work. If you've been at Redemption for a long time, you've heard that over and over again. But I wanna talk about worship, walk, and work, and what that means as a church. But the first thing I wanna do is really show you the importance of participating in the body, how God wants you to be a part of this body. So here's Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 24. Um, 
In fact, back up to verse number 23. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So there's a little bit of a gospel motivation that's laid out there. Now verse number 24. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works not neglecting to meet uh, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And it's such a beautiful text, but, but it shows you the intensity of the participation you're to have in a church body. It is very important that you consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. If you've been to Making Redemption My Home, you've heard me use the illustration of uh, back in the day, they would uh, go to the market and there'd be people who would sell you know, pots. Maybe there's a clay pot that was being sold and, you know, and, and, and what they would do is if there was ever a crack in the pot, they still had to sell that pot. So some uh, merchants would actually use wax and they would press it into those cracks and smooth it over and then paint it. So when you look at it, you can't see uh, that wax. Uh, and, and so you'd get home, you'd put your hot coffee in it or whatever you drank, and that wax would melt, and all of a sudden you're, you're, you'll notice this is a, a cracked pot. And so what they would do is they would hold that vessel up, and they would hold it to the light to see if there was anything that would shine through. And that's how this Greek word is used in other Greek texts, to consider one another, to carefully examine and look at each other. And is that like just pastors doing that to church people? Encourage one another, stir each other up to love and good works. It's, it's the picture you get from God's word is God's people intensely doing life together. So much more than just coming in, sitting, and then leaving again. This is, this is important. You're important to me, and I wanna help stir you up to love and good works. It's a beautiful picture. So God wants us to participate. Now, what does that look like exactly? What does participation look like? Well, first of all, we're gonna contribute to the body by worshiping together, contribute by worshiping together. No, there's actually one right there. I'm gonna grab it in my water. Thank you. I'm a dry speaker. Second one I'm scratching from the agenda for my jokes. That one that's not gonna happen again either. All right, um, so let's look at this text. This is Colossians 3.16. Check this out. Uh, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to God. Isn't that awesome? So what a church should be doing, by the way, there's a whole sermon in those two Greek words, teaching, didactus, and admonishing, nuthateo, which means to put to mind or to warn of danger. Hey, I see you going down a pathway that's not good. And I don't like the pathway you're going down. I'm gonna call you out on that pathway. That's the idea behind the word admonish, it's really, but how is that done? Well, it's done in one part by singing. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We're to sing to one another. Do we do that as a church? Yeah, I mean, don't picture like a musical. <laughs> That'd be cool too, though, wouldn't it? Good morning, you're probably sinning. I mean, that's probably what we could do. I don't know, maybe something is there. 
Uh, Lauren and I, we'll, we'll write that later, shall we? All right, we'll get together. We'll make it a thing. But, um, uh, but no, this is we gather and we corporately sing songs together. And we have a passion to be sure those songs balance both truth and spirit, truth and passion. Again, we got a whole sermon coming for that. We'll say some of the thunder then. But, but the idea, we're gonna sing together and praise God together. And those songs should be instructive and reminding us of deep theological truth. Do you know that you're commanded to sing? All over the, the Bible. Here's Psalm 96.1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Few psalms over, Psalm 98. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. Isn't that awesome? We're going to sing together. Wow, Pastor, I'm not a very good singer. No, we know that, but we still want you to sing because you're commanded to sing. And it's not about your talent, it's about your obedience. Which is why I'll say, if you're standing in church and you're not singing, I hope you have a really good reason for not singing because you're commanded to sing. And we're told to sing and we're to sing together. And now here at Redemption, uh, that happens primarily on Sunday mornings. And so this is the gathering of ourselves together. And what we're asking the church members to do, yes, be committed to making disciples together. Be committed to that. But also be committed to gathering together. Make Sunday morning important when you come to worship. Make it important for you. Make it important for your family. Which just leads me to a very important question, and that is what keeps you from church? Now, I won't be here uh, next week because I'm gonna be on vacation, and that happens from time to time. And uh, all week I'll be on vacation. I'll be always in my vacations on Sunday. Uh, otherwise, I'll be on vacation if I end it on a Saturday. I still gotta preach on Sunday, so I'm still working all week. You get the idea. So we'll, we'll be worshiping somewhere else next week. But uh, uh, that's, I'll miss for that, of course. I'll miss from time to time because I'm sick. But, but I really have felt like uh, post-COVID, uh, we've really drawn that line much further back than what we used to. And a lot of things keep us out of church that used to not keep us out of church. And I think we've made it really convenient because you can log on to our website, you can watch a service live, and that's, you know, that, that, that's, we're gonna offer that service still. But I hope you probably have seen, we don't put a lot of money into that whole thing. We got one camera that stays in one spot the whole time. You know, we're not gonna go the whole multi-camera thing. I'm not saying that people are sitting when they do that, but for us, like our thing is the, in the building. We wanna make in the building the, the, the uh, place where we put our money, our time, and our effort because we want you to be here, gather together as God's people. So just be careful about what keeps you from church and, and, and acknowledging God's word. Do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Come so we can worship together. So what we're asking you to do is to make Sunday morning important by worshiping together. What else does a, uh, how else can we contribute to the body? Well, we contribute by worshiping together. Also this, we contribute by walking together, by walking together. So I wanna show this to you. You probably know this already. There are lots of commandments in the Bible that uh, tell you to do something with each other or with one another. We call them the one another's of the Bible. And there are 59 times where God's word indicates what we should be doing 
to one another and with one another. And so let me show you just some of these. Uh, this is um, a, just a list here. So be at peace with each other, Mark 9.50. Uh, wash one another's feet, uh, John 13.14. Uh, um, they're gonna pass out water bottles and washcloths right now, let's go. Um, then you have uh, love one another, love one another, love one another, love one another. I thank God wants us to. Love one another, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves. We're gonna keep going, I'm gonna show you 15 of these this morning, there are 59 of them. Live in harmony with one another, again, love one another, stop passing judgment on one another, accept one another just as Christ accepted you. Instruct, that's that, uh, in Hebrews, or in Romans 15, that again is nuthateo, it's that intense word. Uh, instruct one another, greet one another with a holy kiss. So go ahead and turn to your neighbor and, no, don't really do that, all right, uh, unless you're married. Um, but you get the idea, there's lots of one another. When do we do this? When does this happen? Let me show you one more that really just this alone would be intense. This is Galatians 6 too. Check this out. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. That, mean, that means I gotta know their burdens. That means I gotta, and people don't just come up and tell you that, right? On Sunday morning, hey, good morning, how you doing? Well, let me tell you about all my burdens. Oh, well, um, <laughs> they're starting to sing in there. You know, I mean, we don't do that here. In fact, growing up, man, this is, this is what church was, right? Church was this, I came in and Sunday morning, or Sunday school, I come, I sit, I listen. I go to Sunday morning church where I, come and sit and listen. When the Baptist churches I grew up in, Sunday night, we came, we sat, we listened, we went home, and then Wednesday night, we had a Bible study where we came and sat and listened, and we went home. That was church. Come sit, listen, come sit, listen, come sit, listen. When do we live out the one another's in Scripture? If we're gonna do this God's way, we have to have systems and things in place to really walk together and uh, this is why uh, we at Redemption emphasize our small group ministry. This is where this happens, where we're doing life together and we're bearing each other's burdens. This past Wednesday, we had the crew over to our house and it's a lot of work. I mean, you gotta clean, you gotta clean things you don't know, like baseboards. When do you ever clean baseboards? But when the small group's coming over, we gotta get those baseboards wiped down. I don't know why, I guess my small group's really judgy about baseboards. Not really, uh, but you know, but I mean, anyway, it's a lot of work, you get all cleaned up, you be sure, and you have people in, but you know, man, there's just such precious time. The dudes were in mutual ministry time, sitting out on my screened-in porch and just talking about like where we're struggling, and praying for each other. And I'm the pastor, and I'm saying, this is where I'm, what I'm struggling with right now. I need your prayer on this, I need your help on this. And we're doing life together. And uh, I just encourage you to, to get to small group, make small group a thing. Small groups pray together. They help each other when needs arise. The first line of defense in that way of our church. They help keep you accountable and help you fight your sin. It is the place where church life is getting accomplished. So we're asking members to commit to making Sunday morning important. We're asking members to get involved in a small group. We want you in a small group doing life together. And if you need help with that, let us know. We'll get you there.
Contribute by worshiping together, contribute by walking together. Also this, contribute by working together, contribute by working together. Now here's where we're gonna go back to our uh, Romans 12 passage. Go ahead and turn back over there to Romans chapter 12 if you would please. Anyone grew up in Awana? If you grew up in Awana, raise your hand. Anyone? Ah, oh, a good handful of people grew up in Awana. All right. Uh, this was the very, I, I didn't like, I wasn't ever sparky, uh, so I didn't have that. I jumped in kind of like late elementary, early uh, junior high. And um, uh, remember the very first verse I ever memorized in Awana was Romans 12, 1 and 2, but I did it in the old King James. So now even when I read it in the ESV, it's just kind of like a hodgepodge in my brain. But I want you to look at the intensity of, of Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy, look, listen to this, this is huge now. Paul is saying, I, I beg you, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Okay, so Paul is saying, consider your body a living sacrifice. To what end, Paul? Well, verse number three, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So hold on here, what's this, what's this teaching? This is teaching that we're to look and consider how God has designed us. Each of us are to do this. It's not a, how amazing am I? Let me make a list of all the amazing things that I can do. Not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but with sober judgment. Honestly, where's God gifted me? What talents has he given me? What abilities do I have? Why? For the use in God's body. Here it is, verse number four. For as in one body, we have many members and the members are all the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ individually, members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the measure of grace given to us, let us use them. And he goes through and he names several gifts, but here's the whole point. God's gifted you. I want you to say, God's gifted me. Well, that sounds arrogant. No, it isn't because you didn't do it. God did it for you. I heard Matt Chandler use this illustration. I think it's really good. It's like, it's not impressive that Shaquille O'Neal can dunk, okay? It's not impressive. The guy is, what, seven foot something? It's like a little hop for him, and he dunks. He's like, I'm amazing, I can dunk. No, dude, you can hop. That's not amazing, okay? And so it's not you saying, how awesome am I in all my abilities? That's not what it is. But it is saying, what has God gifted me to do? And God has gifted you. But he's gifted you for a purpose and a reason. So those gifts can be used where? In the, the body. So, are you using your gifts? It says there, right, let us use them. So this is biblical. And so we ask our church members, not only make Sunday morning important, not only get into a small group and do life together, because God's word kind of lines that out for us, but also, Work, use your gifts and abilities. For, it's so much more than coming in and sitting and leaving again. It's putting your gifts, putting your abilities, putting the time and effort. You're a living sacrifice. God, this is all for you. And you put that for the work of the body.
if you just get poured into and you never pour out, that's a bad situation. You know when water it sits, what happens? When water, when water's poured into something and it just sits there, what happens to that? It gets stagnant. It begins to stink. And so our challenge is not just be poured into, but pour yourself out. Pour out to other people. And I've seen this. I've been a pastor for a long time now. And I've seen that the people who kind of just sit back and they don't really get involved, they don't really use their gifts and ability, end up being the ones that are most critical and most harsh about church life. And it's like, get involved and be a part of this. And maybe you'll see why it's not perfect because it's not easy. All right, we're asking the Lord, what does church membership look like? What do church members do? And I hope you can see we worship, uh, we walk, and we work. And that's what church members do. They contribute to the body. How are you doing? Now, here's the danger. Some of you who are already doing 16 things would be like, man, I stink. I'm so lazy. I need to add 17 to my list. And those of you who are doing nothing will be like, yeah, you guys need to serve. Um, So consider how you're serving and be honest with yourself and uh, use your gifts and abilities for God's glory. And for some of you, we may have to say to you, no, you're doing enough. But a lot of you have to say, let's do this more together. All right. So then last thing here, we got three behaviors uh, for church members. One is to carry out the mission of the church. Another is to contribute to the body. And then lastly, this, uh, commit to the family. Uh, Commit to the family. I loved Adam's sermon from last Sunday. And uh, let's, uh, let's do this. Let's go over to Hebrews chapter 13 again real quick. Hebrews chapter 13. It's always a little hard, can I be honest, as a pastor to preach this particular text uh, because it's, it feels a little self-serving to, to preach this. This is uh, Hebrews 13, 17. And so I get that. And, so, and, and then on the other side of that, as Adam did so well at saying last week, there's a lot of you that have come into our church with church hurt. And there are elders that have abused you, and it breaks my heart. I heard some more stories this week of that, and it just it breaks my heart. Um, but, but there's an important thing you need to acknowledge here. Obey your leaders and submit to them, this is 1317, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with the groanings. That would be of no advantage to you. So on the one hand, you know, you may see obey your leaders, but I, I gotta tell you, when I read this, that's not what I see. Uh, I see for, I'm keeping watch over your souls, And one day I'm gonna give an account. That's, oh, are you kidding me? That's like, oh my goodness. I, I gotta stand and say, answer, how did I shepherd? How did I lead? Did I lead like Jesus? Did I balance truth and grace? I have to, constantly check that because I am such a grace person that sometimes I won't lean in on truth when I need to. Can I admit that to you? Sometimes I don't. And I need to lean on truth and not be afraid of that. But I don't want to swing the pendulum too far either. All those things are just really, really important. But I'm going to give an account one day. And, 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 but who am I giving an account to? 
to, to God, yes. But, but who for? Who's in my flock and who's not in my flock? Like a flock has a designated number. A, you know the parts that are in your body. You know who's in your family. Adam talked about that last week. So how do we know who is here a part of our church? How do we know who has submitted themselves to our leadership and to those whom we much watch over? Well, we've developed a process to say, this is how you commit this is how you commit to the family. This is how you become a part of that. And it's really fairly simple. It's just this. It's just filling out a membership application so we can kind of see and we have some questions in there that we want answered. We want to know that you understand our doctrine. We want to know that you agree with that or at least that you won't teach anything else besides the doctrine that we have here. We want to know your salvation testimony. We want to know your baptism story. We want to know some things. So we have some questions uh, to answer in an interview. Once we have the interview or that uh, membership application, then an elder will meet with you and have an interview with you to really be sure you're ready to worship, walk, work. That's really all we do. Do you understand the commitment you're making to make Sunday morning important, to be in a small group, to contribute through your uh, gifts and abilities? And then once you're agreed to that, and once the interview goes well, then we make a public confession of that before uh, people. And you may look at that and you may say, well, none of that's in the Bible. I don't see application anywhere in the Bible or interview with an elder. What is all that about? Well, well, no. Uh, But the principle of committed membership, is that in the Bible? You weren't sure. Uh, We'll preach it all over again. I'll have Adam up here next week again. We'll do the whole, we'll do them both again. By the way, this was gonna be one sermon and we decided too much for one sermon. Uh, But but is the fact that God wants you to commit to a local church body clear in the Bible? how we do it, God's left some room, and this is how we do it. And don't get too shocked about that, because if you were married, the same thing is true about marriage. Y'all get married? Did the wife wear a white dress? Yes? Did, uh, you know, you have uh, groomsmen and flower girls and songs and all that happened in your wedding ceremony? Where's that in the Bible? It's not. Is it wrong? No, it's not wrong. It's culturally the way that we have designated a husband commits to a wife and a wife commits to a husband, and it's beautiful. And culturally the way redemption has asked you to commit is by filling out a membership, having an interview, making that public confession. That's what we're calling you to. Now, having said all that, this morning I completely changed my introduction I didn't feel like it was kind enough because I know that many of you, this is a big decision. And uh, we're not asking you to make this decision lightly. We're not asking you to jump into something you're not aware of. The whole point I'm trying to make is, let me show you what we're asking you to do, what you're asking you to commit to. I hope you see the things we're asking you to commit to are biblical things. But I know there's prayer, I know there's hurt, I know there's all kinds of things. So we just want to say we're praying for you. But here's what I want to say to you. Don't sit long with that question. Get that question answered. Investigate. I'll meet with you. I'll talk with you. We'll work these things out so you can determine, is this a place where I want to commit to? Now, if it's not redemption, okay, but you need to be committed to some gospel preaching, Bible preaching, Christ-centered church somewhere because God's word has called you to that. And so let's help you find out where that is so you can make that commitment of membership. And we'll be praying with you along the way. Cool? 
it wasn't Ethan short, but it was uh, five minutes uh, short, so you're good to go. Actually, I just preached 40 minutes, but let's just pray together. God, thank you for your love and your grace. I thank you for uh, just what your word has to say about these things. And Lord, we, um, we're just looking at your word. We're asking the question, what does this commitment to a body look like? It is intense. And Father, it takes faith, especially if we've been hurt. It takes faith to say, I will obey your word again. I will trust what you're doing through all of it again. And maybe there's some here that need to exercise that faith by making a commitment. And I pray, Father, that all of us would be committed to this body. And what can you do with the church who is passionate about the mission, who is committed to one another, and who's just storming the gates of hell with the gospel message and systems in place to disciple people, to help them grow, to become more like Jesus. It's exciting to be a part of the most important thing you're doing in the universe right now. We pray that you would help us to do that with effectiveness for your glory in Christ's name. Amen. You're loved. Thank you for coming.